you're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. This is 1 Corinthians, verse 1 to 15, chapter 4. This is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that... that that I should be judged by you or any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time when before the Lord comes. Who bring into light the things now hidden in the darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart? Then each one will receive his commendation from God. I have applied all these things to myself in Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond that is written that none of you may be puffed up in favour of one against another. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. Without us, you have become kings, and with that you did reign, so that we might share the rule with you. For I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. We're fools for Christ's sake, but you're wise in Christ. We're weak, but you're strong. You're held in honor, but we in disrepute. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst, we're poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless. And we labor working with our hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When a slander went treat, we have become and are still like scum of the world, the refuse of all things. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ 
Jesus through the gospel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, g'day City on a Hill Digital. My name is Dave Myers and it is my honor to serve as the pastor of City on a Hill Brisbane and also as the co-host of CityKids.tv. The last couple of months really have been a whirlwind and so I am so encouraged by you and your faith in Christ, your love for one another and your hope in the gospel. God continues to show his kindness to us. And so let's pray that God's spirit would work among us as we consider his word together. Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving heavenly father, we ask that you right now would give us faith to receive the word we've just heard and that by the power and the illumination of your Holy Spirit, you would give us understanding to know what it means and the will to put it into practice We pray this through Jesus Christ, our risen, ruling, and returning King, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, it may not surprise you, but people are turning to Netflix in record numbers during this lockdown season. The world has moved on from the Tiger King, and now the focus is on the last Dance. The Last Dance is a behind-the-scenes documentary of one of the greatest, if not the greatest basketball player of all time, Michael Jordan. Now, this might be the time to put a goat emoji in the comments if you think that Jordan is the greatest of all time. But as a teenager growing up in the 1990s, I feel nostalgic thinking back to the 1990s and grunge music and Super Mario and terrible haircuts and the iconic Air Jordans. You know, having followed the NBA from a distance back then, it's been fascinating to see this behind-the-scenes drama unfolding around Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. Now, in the latest episode, uh, promise no spoilers, The Last Dance provides perhaps never-before-seen insight into the leadership qualities of the six-time championship winner, Michael Jordan. Most in the documentary agree that Jordan is the greatest of all time when it comes to playing basketball. However, there is some disagreement upon his leadership Even the director of The Last Dance, Jason Eyre, he told The Athletic this, that when he met with Jordan, he asked him why he wanted to do the documentary. And Jordan said that he didn't. Jordan wasn't sure if people would understand why he was so intense and why he treated his teammates that way. For me, it raises important questions regarding leadership today. You know, what is good leadership? What makes a leader good, bad, or otherwise? You know, over the last few weeks, we have been asking some of these questions in our series one, Crisis in Corinth. The church in Corinth were adopting too many principles from leadership in their surrounding world. And as we saw last week with the celebrity preacher, pastor culture, many in Corinth valued smooth rhetoric over sound truth, status over humility, and money over people. 
And so today in chapter 4, Paul, the Apostle Paul, the author who wrote this letter, wants this church to understand how the gospel of Jesus Christ radically shapes leadership in the church. Are you a leader in the church? Do you aspire to leadership within the church? Well, whether you are a leader or not, what 1 Corinthians chapter 4 has to say is relevant for us all. And so grab out your Bibles, keep them open to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and we are going to consider three ways that the gospel shapes leadership in God's church. Now, these three attributes are necessary, not only for those who are leaders, but as we'll see towards the end of the passage, these attributes are necessary for all who belong to Jesus. And so here we go. The gospel calls us, number one, to be faithful servants. Faithful servants. In the opening verse of chapter 4, Paul is speaking about his primary task as a foundational leader in God's church. Likewise, this is the primary task of all Christian leaders. Check it out with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. He says this, This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. This is a fantastic position description. There's two ways that our task is described there in verse 1. First, we are servants of Christ. Christian leaders live, breathe, and work for the service of their one master, Jesus Christ. You know what? Sometimes I think we overly complicate Christian leadership. But ultimately, it's about one thing, Jesus. And we serve Jesus, and we make the good news that is found in Jesus, known. And I love that second phrase in there, that we are stewards of the mysteries of God. The core aspect to the mission of the apostles and of all Christian leaders who continue in in that mission is stewarding the mysteries of God, being entrusted with a precious message that needs to be made known. You know, we've already seen this word uh, about the mysteries of God back in chapter 2, verse 7, and it's less about something mysterious and more to do with something that was once hidden that has now been revealed. For the first four chapters of 1 Corinthians, Paul has repeatedly come back to that which has now been revealed, the central message of the gospel. Paul has it as his aim to make known Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You see, Jesus Christ lived the life that we failed to live, the life without sin. And Jesus Christ died the death that we deserve, the death for sin. And Jesus rose again and gives eternal life to all who trust in Him. You know, later on in 1 Corinthians, in chapters 12 through 14, we'll see the diversity of gifts and opportunities for ministry within the church. But it's worth noting 
that all ministry ultimately comes back to this one task. You know, one of the things I love about the mission of City on a Hill is the centrality of this task summed up simply in our one banner. Know Jesus and make Jesus known. My prayer is that we would all have a laser focus on this central task and obligation as servants in Christ's church to steward the mysteries of God as we unashamedly make known Jesus Christ crucified. Uh, Martin Luther was one of the key leaders of the 16th century Protestant Reformation, and he was known for banging on about the gospel, for keeping the gospel on repeat. And I love this quote of his as he speaks to those who are involved in Christian ministry. He says this, quote, The gospel cannot be preached and heard enough, for it cannot be grasped well enough. Moreover, our greatest task is to keep you faithful to this article and bequeath this treasure to you when we die. Every generation of Christians must keep hearing and preaching the gospel of Jesus' death and resurrection. The message of the gospel is urgent news for all people in all places, in all times. You know, right now there are many people who know their desperate need for hope in the midst of coronavirus despair, who are turning to Christ and to his gospel. But even when this plague has passed, And people are no longer in isolation. People are able to meet in larger groups, are able to enjoy global travel. The need will be just as great. The spiritual diagnosis of all people outside of Christ is bleak. And so between the first and the second coming of Jesus, there will always be an urgent need for Jesus to be made known to all people because all people are guilty of rebelling against God, are enslaved to sin, and are deserving of God's just judgment. The gospel of Christ crucified and risen is good news for our time and good news for all time. And so as servants of Christ... We must see the role we have to play in helping to make the gospel known. You see, this is not just the role of a pastor or a church staff member. We all have opportunities to support this mission as we help to promote the gospel in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our schools, as we use our words to point others to the mysteries of God, namely to Jesus Christ himself. Now, how do we measure success in this task? Well, check out verse number two. He says this, moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Faithfulness to Christ matters more than any worldly measurements of 
success. Do we long to see fruitfulness? Yes and amen. But ultimately, as we saw last week, where we saw Paul plants, Apollos waters, it is God who brings the growth. It is God who enables fruitfulness. And so the key performance indicator in Christian ministry is faithfulness. Verse 2, stewards must be found faithful, faithfully serving Christ and being part of promoting his gospel. You know, perhaps you look around and see others serving at church with greater capacity than you or others stronger than you in different ministries, or others that seem to have success, not just in the church, but outside the church as well, or others who get promoted ahead of you. But what we need to do is we need to forget about what what others are or aren't doing and focus on being faithful as we serve Christ in the church, in the workplace, or whatever field God has placed you in. And so if faithfulness is the ultimate measure of success, how do we measure faithfulness? Well, more important than how is the who. Ultimately, only the one we serve, our master, Jesus Christ, he is the one who judges our faithfulness. Check it out there in verse 3. He continues, But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. Paul doesn't even care too much about what people think of him. He doesn't even judge himself. You know, as we've seen throughout these chapters, that one of the big problems in Corinth is that they're judging between different leaders. You know, I like Paul better. No, I like Apollos better. I like Billy Graham better. And the list goes on. But Paul says, I don't even judge myself. I don't even like me better. It is the Lord who judges. Pick it up with me in verse number four. For I am not aware of anything against myself, Paul says, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. You know, often we judge the hearts of others. We judge what we perceive to be their motivations. But ultimately, it's all of God's people who will stand before Jesus. And the opinion of Jesus, his judgment matters more than anyone else's opinion. The commendation we are waiting for comes from the mouth of Jesus. Well done, good and faithful servant. We serve for the audience of one. In 2011, I was invited to speak at a youth pastors conference and I knew I'd be sharing the platform with some fairly well-known international speakers and out of a deep desire for others to think well of me, I decided to boost my number of followers on Twitter. True story. Now, my vanity had a seatbelt on, though. Uh, I, I had about 1,500 followers at the time and I didn't want to boast 
uh, want the boost <laughs> to be too obvious. And so I bought 500 followers just to kind of tip me over the 2000 barrier. You know, I knew of these websites that existed that harvested followers. And so I paid five bucks, five bucks, expecting the 500 followers to roll in overnight. And they did. However, within a couple of hours, there was another 500 and then another 500, another 500 until I had about 5,000 extra followers. And so I contacted the company and I said, look, what's going on? I only purchased 500 followers. Please stop. And they replied and said, look, we can't take them away, but yeah, we'll stop. We were just trying to give you an extra blessing. Well, racked with, um, with guilt over my sin and stupidity, I then spent hours and hours unfollowing every single one of those fake followers. I'm, I'm genuinely embarrassed by my actions on that day. But here's the thing. You may not have bought followers on Twitter. <laughs> and it's not just leaders who are kind of gripped by what others will think of them and the status they have. Most of us, I would suggest all of us, at some point are held captive by social media likes and comments or words of commendation from those who are nearby. You see, the fight for popularity and approval in high school, it never really goes away. It just rolls out in different playgrounds. But here's the thing. We compare ourselves to one another to our own detriment. The only commendation that matters is from our master, Jesus Christ. Paul continues in verse 6 and says, I've applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Again, as we saw last week, we boast. But we boast not in ourselves and our own abilities because any skill, any aptitude we have is a gift from God. And so we boast only in Him who has given us those gifts. You see, serving Jesus is not a competition. Serving Jesus is about serving Jesus, faithfully being part of making Jesus known. By all means, we assess our strategies. We sharpen our ministry vision. But first and foremost, the call is to embrace faithfulness. I want to briefly take a moment to let you know about three people across our churches who are incredible examples of faithful servants. First is Alice, based in Brisbane. Alice has just celebrated 10 years on the City on a Hill staff team. Her role has grown and changed over the years, but Alice has worked behind the scenes on so many significant projects. And she shows in her work not only a loyalty to the team, but a loyalty and faithfulness to her master, Jesus Christ. Second is Micah based in Melbourne West. Micah works as a graphic designer. And when City on a Hill Melbourne West was planted, Micah offered to help out with sound. 
and he's barely missed a Sunday since. And he's continued to faithfully serve by helping our churches to move online uh, in this COVID-19 season. Third is Caitlin, based here in Brisbane. Caitlin is currently completing a PhD in speech pathology. And Caitlin has been so faithful in Brisbane, volunteering as our welcome team leader. Through her faithful service of Jesus, hundreds of people have been seen, known, and loved through our church. I thank God for Alice, Micah, and Caitlin, and the many across our churches who are giving themselves to faithful service. However, don't serve based on my recognition of you or anyone else's acknowledgement of you. Serve Jesus knowing that he has called you to be faithful and to give yourself to his mission. The first thing that the gospel calls us to is to be, number one, faithful servants. For those taking notes, the second thing that the gospel calls us to is, number two, humiliated fools. Now, you might not be a Christian or might be fairly new to the things of Jesus. Uh, Again, we are so glad that you are tuning in for City on a Hill Digital. But humiliated fools doesn't sound like a particularly attractive sales pitch, right? And yet I want you to notice in the next paragraph from verse 8 down to verse 13 that humiliated fools is also part of the job description for Christian leaders. We are called to humiliation. We're called to be considered fools in the eyes of the world. You see, the church in Corinth were in danger of looking more like their surrounding culture than looking like those who belong to Jesus. Because we need to remember that the way of Christ is the way of the cross. And so all as servants and stewards of Christ in his gospel, Christian leaders display the cross in what we preach as faithful servants. And Christian leaders also display the cross in how we live as humiliated fools. You see, the, the Corinthians have forgotten that suffering comes before glory. That the cross comes before the crown. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who we heard about last week, said this of the cost of being one of Jesus' followers. Quote, When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. The Christian life is a life of crucifixion. In this following irony-drenched paragraph, we'll see the contrast with how the Corinthians are seeking to live versus how Paul and the apostles are seeking to live. And as I read, I want you to consider how those who follow a crucified king are called to live a life of crucifixion. Pick it up with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. Already you have all you want. Already you've become rich. Without us, you've become kings. And would you that did reign so that we might share the rule with you? For I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. 
Now, that imagery there in verse 9 is most likely inspired by the Roman triumphal processions. At the front of the processions were the leaders of the military. Then they were followed by the rest of the soldiers. And then at the very back were the prisoners of war, most likely being sent into the arena to be put to death at the hands of gladiators or mauled by lions as a spectacle to the masses. The Apostle Paul says that that is the way of the apostles. In fact, it is the way of all believers, all who follow in the way of Christ. We follow in the way of the cross and the humiliation that comes. Paul continues there in verse 10 and says, We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. For we are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. You know, the the cross looks foolishness to this world. And servants of the cross look foolish to this world. Rather than honor, we are degraded as fools for Christ's sake. He then says, verse 11, to the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless. We labor working with our hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. Man, I love the brutal honesty of Paul as he describes, as he describes their situation. Paul's It's almost like Paul is setting up his leadership college. And what does he call it? The scum of the world academy. You know, come and join us. Lose your life. You know, that phrase there, the refuse of all things in verse 13 as well. Paul Paul is already described them in lowly terms, but he's trying to find an even lowlier lowly term as possible. You know, some other translations say trash or dirt or mud or excrement or, I love this one, the scrapings from everyone's shoes. Now, why would Paul and the apostles be willing to accept this lot in life? Well, they believe that Jesus is worth following and they have understood what it means to follow Jesus. You know, Jesus himself says that anyone who would come after him, not just leaders, but anyone who would come after him must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow him. You see, the call to be a humiliated fool isn't optional. Now, it's not saying that we act the fool, that we are deliberately weird or awkward or whatever. But the reality is we will be rejected as Christ was rejected. You know, in a prophecy written about Jesus 700 years before his birth, Isaiah said this about how Jesus would be treated. Uh, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 2. For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. And we esteemed him not. Despised and rejected. 
the way of Christ is the way of the cross. And so we expect humiliation from the world. We expect to be considered fools for what we believe, for who we follow and how we seek to follow after him. Uh, Don Carson says this about the challenge of Paul's language in that paragraph we've just read. Quote, Many of us are well-to-do and comfortable with little incentive to live in vibrant anticipation of Christ's return. Our desire for the approval of the world often outstrips our desire for Jesus well done on the last day. The proper place to begin to change this deep betrayal of the gospel is at the cross in repentance, contrition, and renewed passion, not only to make the gospel of the crucified Messiah central in all our preaching and teaching, but in our lives and the lives of our leaders as well. My prayer is that all of us, whether we're leaders or not, that we would spend regular time focusing on the gospel of Christ crucified and letting Christ shape how we live and how we lead. You know, I want to speak for a moment to those in leadership who are feeling the weight of being trodden down. You don't need to hear a rebuke, but an encouragement. You know what? Leaders in the church are often those who suffer the most. You know, I read one commentator who said that leaders in the church, quote, uh, are not like generals in the military who stay behind the lines. They are the assault troops, the frontline people who lead by example as much as by word. So brothers and sisters, don't be surprised when leadership is hard. Whether you serve as a pastor, as a staff member, as a gospel community leader, as a welcome team member, or any other Christian leadership role, you are not alone. Jesus has gone before you. Others are serving around you. And in the gospel of Jesus, you have a certain hope for an end to suffering. And so brothers and sisters, press on and keep going. Continue to display the gospel with your words and with your life, knowing that after suffering comes glory and after the cross comes the crown. Well, three things that the gospel calls us to be. Number one, faithful servants. Number two, humiliated fools. And the third and final thing is godly examples. Godly examples. At one level, uh, this sermon has, I hope, been helpful to think through Christian leadership. But what I want you to notice from this final paragraph from verse 14 down to verse 21 is that Christian leaders are called to be godly examples. And so everything that we've heard in verse 1 down to verse 13 about being faithful servants and humiliated fools is applicable to all followers of Jesus. The reality is that while leadership is important and leaders are no better than anyone else. And so while there are expectations for those who aspire to leadership within the church, ultimately leaders lead so that others will also trust in Jesus, follow after Jesus and live for Jesus. And so let's pick it up. Chapter 4, verse 
14. He says, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I love that imagery of Paul in this section as a loving father in the gospel, encouraging his children in the faith to apply this teaching. You know, Paul throughout this letter has plenty of difficult lessons that this church needs to hear. Quickly jump down with me to verse number 18. He says, some are arrogant as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills. And I will find out not the talk of those arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love in a spirit of gentleness? He has difficult things to say, not just in this section, but throughout the whole book. And yet he comes with gentleness. He comes as a father in the gospel. His desire is that their lives would be shaped by the gospel of Jesus. And so he wants them to follow his example. And he wants them to follow the example of others like Timothy. Look what he says in these beautiful verses, verse 16 and 17. He says, I urge you then be imitators of me. That is why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. Timothy is an example of a faithful servant of Jesus. And his role is to continue to be a godly example and point the church of Corinth to the godly example in the Apostle Paul. And so to all the leaders across our churches, are you reminding others by your words and by your example of the way of Christ Jesus, to all the members of our churches. Are you looking for godly examples that you can follow as you continue in the way of Christ Jesus? You see, the reality is we are all leaders in some way or another. As I seek to bring up my three children, uh, Sam, Tom and Beth, I seek them, along with my wife Rowena, to bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. But I want them to understand as they're growing up and as they navigate school and adolescence and all that is to come, I want them to understand that we are all leaders in some way. And so one question I regularly ask them is this, what type of leader do you want to be? And the answer they've been trained to give is one worth following. What type of leader do you want to be? You're going to be one, one way or another. Be one that is worth following. Look, it might well be that you are not yet a follower of Jesus. I said it before and I'll say it again. We are so glad that you are here and part of this online church experience. Our prayer is that you would see in our churches godly examples of men, women, and children who are living radically different because Jesus lived for us, because Jesus died for us, because Jesus was raised for us. 
And perhaps because of the teaching you have heard and the examples you have seen, you would like to put your trust in Jesus. You would like to receive the forgiveness of sin that comes through Jesus' death. That you would like to receive eternal life that comes through Jesus' resurrection. Look, you may still have questions about Christ and Christianity. That's okay. But perhaps you've heard enough and you know enough about who Jesus is and why Jesus came. Why not become a Christian today? Put your trust in Him. If that's you, uh, we would invite you to SMS the word pray to this number 0481-072-237. One of our team would love to pray with you on the phone to help you take those first steps in becoming a Christian. And then we would love to walk with you as you learn how to follow Christ in this world. City on a Hill, as we conclude, we began with the question of how the gospel of Jesus Christ shapes leadership in God's church. We have heard the way in which the gospel calls us to be faithful servants, humiliated fools, and godly examples. And I want you to know how encouraged I am by the many examples in our church of people being shaped by the cross and shaped by the gospel. And so as we continue to embrace these gospel callings, I believe not only will we be strengthened as a church united, one in Christ Jesus, but we will have an even stronger witness to Christ in the world as we point people to him through our words and through our actions. Let's pray together. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we can gather together today. We thank you so much that we can hear from your word. And Father, we pray that as we process the things that we've heard, that you would help us to embrace your calling upon our lives. Father, we pray that you would work in us by your spirit, that we would be faithful servants, humiliated fools and godly examples. Father, may you be at work in our church that we would see and behold Jesus, that he is worth following and that we long to hear the commendation from his lips. Well done, good and faithful servant. And Father, we want to thank you for those that are tuning in today who don't yet know you. Father, we pray that you would bless them. We pray that they would ask the questions that they have about Jesus. And we pray that in your kindness, you would draw them to yourself as well that they would put their trust in Christ Jesus who died for them and was raised again. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.